Welcome back to another FACT podcast. I'm Dr. Fred Clary, founder of Functional Analysis, Chiropractic Technique, and Life and Lifting Coach. And today's uh, topic in episode is going to cover something that uh, was triggered by a chiropractic student when he was looking in, into the reasons for allergic reactions to orthopedic implants. There's a lot of people that get implants, metal implants, and they have a uh, anaphylactic or allergic or hypersensitivity reaction. And uh, it, it sparked me to say, well, has, does anyone want to talk about the increase in ectopic disease? That's diseases caused by uh, hypersensitivity to the immune system, um, eczema, asthma, you know, we think type 2 diabetes in some sense. So I'm like, why don't we co- and why aren't we covering the increase in food allergies? I mean, so I'm going to just dedicate this short little episode to allergies and why they're increasing and maybe some of the reasons for this. Um, again, disclaimer, if you have any physiological conditions, symptoms, medical conditions, please, you know, if your physiology is jacked, go to someone who can help you your medical doctor, your osteopath, your chiropractor, your nurse practitioner, your certified midwife, go to someone who can help coach you and walk you through the process of addressing this. Um, Don't attack uh, Dr. Google. So with that said, let's just give some information here. Um, There's been a 700% rise in the last few years, 700% rise, seven-fold rise in the hospitalizations due to food allergies. There's been a 50% rise in food allergies over the last few years. Now that's amazing. And you don't see it in the mainstream press. You do see it when you go to a restaurant and you say, you know, please, there's no, there's peanuts here. If you have a peanut allergy, don't eat here, peanut in the process. I remember I went to Dairy Queen this, uh, uh, summer and I saw an, a warning outside the Dairy Queen. I'm like, well, of course, it's Dairy Queen. There's going to be peanut products in there. But there are people now that when they get near a peanut product or a soy product or a seafood product, they have an anaphylactic reaction, which is an autoimmune reaction that can be deadly. It can close off your airway. It can change your cardiovascular rhythm. Um, these things are deadly and they need medical attention right away. But why the increase? We're seeing a lot of more asthma, a lot more food sensitivities, and we already covered some of the gluten things. But I, you know, I want to take a step back and look at what are we doing to our immune system that's making us so hypersensitive. Now, genetically, there's always going to be those people that can't do seafood, that can't do peanuts. You know, it's on their DNA. They're going to express it. All his DNA can do is produce proteins. And so, or expression, so you're going to get DNA is going to lead you to have that no matter what, whatever allergy that is. We understand that. But it's more prevalent everywhere where people are getting more allergic to things. And what are the reasons for this? Now, if you get on the internet, and there's a lot of theories out there. And if you go to the library, yes, we still have those things. Um, There's a lot of books written on the subject. And I'm going to try to stick to some of the mainstream. Um, You will see everything from people blaming all the chemicals in our environment now, um, antibiotics, soap, 
um, vaccines, everything. And I don't want to dive into those controversial areas. I'm going to cover what's pretty mainstream. And this is, comes from, like, you know, the American Academy of Immunology and other uh, straight and non-controversial um, sources. So what are they thinking out there? Well, Grandma was right. You have to eat dirt. You have to eat dirt. And I want you to hold on to that. You have to eat dirt. But what a lot of researchers out there are saying, antibiotics. We overuse antibiotics. So in the 1940s, when we started using penicillin, in the 50s and 60s, there was a plethora. Whenever a kid would cough or, you know, had a runny nose, the pediatrician was banging them with penicillin. And there we go. Take another pill. Take another lotion. And what we did is not only create superbugs, bacteria that are um, resistant to antibiotics. And there's some, <laughs> there's some bacteria now, some bugs that actually can convert antibiotics into glucose. Talk about adaptation and natural selection. That's awesome. But anyway, they, so some of these antibiotics are useless when it comes to some of these bacterial infections. And most of the time people had viral infections, which antibiotics do not use for, or useful at all. You have to use an antiviral. So, okay, you know, we're, we're overloading that. But what we didn't realize in the 40s, 50s, and 60s, there's a lot of research, we knew about it, but we didn't understand the role of our own natural biome. That's a fancy word for saying all the friendly bacteria in your gut. You go to the supermarket now and you see, you know, fermented products, you know, probiotics. We're all supposed to be taking acidophilus or one of their cousins and, uh, re-inoculating our gut because our guts are so screwed up from using antibiotics or other things. So that is one of the reasons on the mainstream. They think that by screwing up our biome, by taking antibiotics, um, that changes how our bodies react to these, um, these antigens, these fewer exposures to endotoxins. Um, that's the pieces of a fungus or bacteria that stimulate the immune system. So these little pieces or poisons or the whole organism itself stimulates the, the immune system and we're not seeing this as much. And we're, we're having trouble differentiating because we have good friendly bacteria inside um, which is friend and what is foe because we have a lower amount of friendly volume. Now, every, every cell, every bacteria has what's called glycoproteins on its surface. They're little furry things that stick out of the cells, and it's for cell-to-cell -cell recognition, recognition of the immune system. How do we know who Fred is? How do we know what E. coli is that I ingested? How do we know these things? Well, there's, there's these special uh, coatings on all of these bacteria that say this is friendly, this is not. Think of it kind of like clothes. You know, if you're playing for the Minnesota Vikings, you want to see purple and gold. If you're playing for Green Bay, it'd be yellow and green. And you would be able to see by the uniforms who to throw the ball to. And hopefully you're not an idiot quarterback and you throw it to the wrong team. Okay? So that differentiates it. In medieval war, people actually had to wear flags or something on them because everyone looked the same. You had to wear something that, that said friend or foe. Uniforms, the whole idea of military uniforms. 
um, through history comes from that idea that you're not killing your own people. So that's where flags and banners and colors and different colored uniforms came from. Well, that's actually based on ancient biology. You know, we have these cell-to-cell recognition devices for our immune system. So think of glycoproteins like that. We, we're seeing less and less, our immune system seeing less and less. So sometimes we don't even recognize what's good for us and what's bad for us. And remember, there, there's, these, there's these coatings and recognition of these pieces on regular food, too. So that's something to think about. There's also many studies showing that Tylenol, yeah, acetaminophen in children may have an impact on food allergies and other allergies like asthma or dermatitis, eczema. Why? Because when you take something that reduces prostaglandins, and that's what aspirin and Advil and Tylenol do, prostaglandins aren't bad. They just are. They're a messenger within our immune system for some reason, for some for sometimes it's for, oh, my knee's swollen, and it sends out information to the immune system. Hey, come, we got to clean up a mess. I banged my knee. I had a heavy squat workout, or there's an infection, or there's something wrong. Prostaglandins are the communication device. I mean, if my gnarly big right toe is banged, yeah, the nervous system says, ow, it hurts. But is it is it fixed or not? That's That's the chemical messengers, and prostaglandins are part of that. So, I mean, you can't have my big toe doesn't scream up to my brain. Hey, Fred's brain, I'm not healed yet. Send some more help down here. It doesn't work that with that. Chemical messengers are sent out. And part of these are prostaglandins. Well, if we screw that up, prostaglandins are also used for recognizing, hey, this is, this is good food. This is wonderful food. Or this is not food. This is a poison. That chemical messaging system has to be in the GI tract, your gastrointestinal tract, your stomach, and your intestines to be able to go back and forth. Oh, wait a minute. You're saying that Tylenol and other things like that reduce the amount of prostaglandins? Yeah, because sometimes prostaglandins used to increase pain on the area, actually, but it's also a chemical messenger. So, you know, they're trying to get better with NSAIDs, non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs, where it just knocks out say, the COX-2 enzyme. It just knocks out the, the prostaglandin or making the prostaglandin that induces pain. But a lot of times we don't know what all these other chemical messengers are. We're always putting the cart in front of the horse. We don't know. Maybe some of these other messengers are used by the immune system to say, hey, you know, that's peanuts. That's fine. Another reason is, of course, um, looking at vitamin D deficiency. Vitamin D deficiency is prevalent. I remember 30 years ago when I told people to take vitamins and, a, and their GP got wind of it, um, I was a quack. Why would you take vitamins? You know, a diet, a good diet, a balanced diet is all you need. Well, now you go to your uh, family physician, he draws blood, and he checks your vitamin D level, and he prescribes vitamin D. I mean, I about fell over five years ago when my medical internist did my vitamin D level. And I mean, we've been talking about this stuff in chiropractic for 50, 60, 70 years. And I'm like, wait a minute, you know, you're telling me that now you're going to jump on the vitamin and mineral and healthy diet bandwagon? I guess so. And I'm glad they're there. Welcome aboard. But um, so vitamin D helps modulate the immune system, helps recognize what is self and reduces the chances of hypersensitivity and increases immune system specificity. So directly targeting what's bad for you. 
when you don't get enough vitamin D, you dumb down the immune system and it start it can attack everything or not move at all and attack anything at all. So that's bad too. But probably the most prevailing theory on why there's an increase in allergies in general, food allergies specifically, um, is the hygiene theory. Now, when I started teaching uh, pediatric neurology in Seattle 20 years ago, oh my goodness, more than 20 years ago, we'll just say more than 20 years ago, um, I covered this a lot because to build the immune system, you have to be exposed to a bug, bacteria, fungi, virus, dirt. You have to be exposed to a little dirt. And then hopefully it's not enough to overwhelm your immune system. And if it doesn't overwhelm the immune system, the immune system gets stronger. There's certain cells that take pictures of those bugs, pieces of the bugs. We call them antigens. But pieces of the bugs, they make antibodies. So when that antigen is present in the bloodstream, we can grab it, make it bigger and bigger. And then our immune system can see it and grab it and kill it. So this is a way of sensitizing our immune system, and that's a good thing to making our immune system stronger, but you have to be exposed to it a little bit at a time. And the hygiene theory basically says we're becoming too clean of society. Taking too many showers, you go into a house, it's completely clean. There's not as many dogs. We don't live in, on as many farms anymore where there's horse manure and pig manure everywhere and animals and being exposed to that. Um, you know, we're washing our hands all the time and we're cleaning counters and our houses are clean and we live in urban environments where we don't interact with a lot of people or animals anymore so we don't get exposed to different antigens and so over time we become cleaner but our immune systems have become weaker though you can remember the the movie with john travolta one of his first movies in the 70s where the the hero from greece um, uh, John Travolta lived in a, a plastic bubble and I remember it was one of the first movies that covered a little bit of clinical science where this uh, poor kid was born without an immune system and he basically had to live in a plastic bubble. The boy in the plastic bubble I actually think that's what it's called. What, what was wrong with that child? He was born without an immune system, could not form antibodies so he couldn't be exposed to anything because it would kill him. We have basically done that to ourselves as a society. We're wiping everything down. We're cleaning. The bugs are getting stronger, like MRSA, which is an antibiotic-resistant staph infection that will kill you. Um, we've made this bug stronger while we've made our immune systems weaker. With our dietary choices, not eating as many fermented foods to build up that, that microbiome in our gut, and low vitamin D, we're not exposed to enough antigens, we're not getting dirt. As my grandmother, she said, Fred, go eat some dirt. And I thought she was being mean to me, but I think she was being smart. She grew up through the depression and she just wanted me stronger. So something to think about. Now, of course, it's a healthy balance. You know, you wanna wash your hands, you wanna be clean, it, you know, to the point that um, you're not transferring foodborne disease. But what the hygiene theory says is we need to expose ourselves more. Go out in the woods and go hiking. Go for walks in the park. Um, you know, go to rock concerts. Hang out with kids. And strengthen our immune system a little bit at a time. Maybe we need to look at that antibiotic soap, antiseptic soap, 
and just use regular soap at home. Um, maybe, you know, taking three showers a day isn't necessary. Maybe isolating ourselves like we do here in Minnesota for the winter isn't very good. And we need to get out into the environment with people, with nature, and, you know, be exposed to, at a low level to all these bugs so our immune system can see them, know that they are unfriendly, take a picture, and be able to attack them um, the next time they come with their friends, their cousins, and the full team to attack you. So the hygiene theory is one of the number one reasons. There's also some other reasons that I think uh, bear up mo most of the weight scientifically. And that is how are we strengthening the immune systems of our kids, our newborn? I know my wife, who's in midwifery, would love this quick conversation. Maybe we'll cover it in a separate podcast later. But breastfeeding. So the mom's... Uh, immune system is transferred to the baby initially at, through breastfeeding. Our immune system doesn't even turn on for about mm, 20 days as soon as we're born. So we don't get this powerful active immune system for like three weeks. You know, that's something to think about when you're trying to inoculate or something like that. According to the Merck Manual, it does not turn on till then. Merck Manual is kind of the clinical uh, medical Bible with all the research in there. So so that's something. Are we breastfeeding? We've cut down how much we breastfeed, where the mom is just transferring all these great antibodies and factors, chemical factors, into the baby so they can build their own immune system and protect the baby. The mom's exposed to something. She processes it, and then we process and send that into the milk. So we're breastfeeding less as a nation. So our immune systems go down. And that means if we're breastfeeding less... We're introducing foods earlier. The current research is if you introduce peanuts between the age of four months and 11 months before that immune system's developed, it then becomes a toxin and not a food. So that's just the facts. So we're introducing food way too early and not breastfeeding enough. So the hygiene theory, we all need to be exposed to more antigens, get out there in life and strengthen your immune system. And perhaps we should look at how we raise infants, newborns, and toddlers. Perhaps we should watch the foods that we introduce and wait. You know, 10,000 years ago, were we feeding, you know, peanuts, breaking open a legume, shoving into the mouth of a three-month-old? No. But if you look at some of these uh, ingredients in, or used to be, ingredients in processed baby food, there's a lot of things in there. And they used to put in peanuts as a, as an, as a stabilizing agent, as a filler. And there's a lot of fillers in there that are nut-based because they're cheap. It's cheap to produce. So what we need to do is take a step back and look what we're introducing into our child. They are not little adults. They're mutants. They're aliens. Children are smaller. They have extra organs in the, than we do as adults. They have a thymus gland, which is behind their sternum. For producing the immune system, we don't have that as adults anymore. It's shrunken. It's gone. So they're, they're little mutants. They're little aliens. And we have to treat them differently. Their physiology is different for a long time before they reach maturity. So think about it. This is Dr. Fred Clary, and I hope you enjoyed this fact podcast.